As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're ready to take your game to the next level, who better to lead the way than our own Luke Bogacki? Check out This Is Bracket Racing Elite today. In addition, today's podcast is presented by Racing RVs. Based near Dayton, Ohio, Racing RVs is your source for quality newer used trucks, motorhomes, and trailers. Whether you're buying, selling, or trading, make Racing RVs your first call. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your host, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki, and the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. This week on What Everyone is Talking About. All right, Luke, it's, it's one of those shows where we've got a lot of great things to talk about, but we always have a lead story. And uh, unfortunately, in this week's podcast, uh, the lead story is a, is a sad one, but Certainly one that I've uh, seen a lot of talk on social media about and hitting home with a lot of people, and that's the passing of the legend Bob Glidden. Yeah, obviously not a sportsman racer in the way that we like to think of him, but I think this impacts the entire racing community. And I, I know, Jed, we talked a little bit off air. Um, neither one of us had the pleasure of knowing Bob Glidden, the man, but obviously anyone in our generation is very familiar with Bob Glidden, the legend, just yeah. a man that at least from the outside in a simpler time, so to speak, of pro stock racing, where it didn't, again, from the outside seem near as political or seem near as dollar driven. There was a chance for a, a man to just work his way up and work his yep. way to success. And that 
at least as the story and the legend goes, is everything that Bob Glidden personified. And anyone, I think, in our generation looked up to that man as a as a role model and a, and a hero. I know it was for me growing up. So certainly uh, sad to see him see him go. Yeah, as a very young racer, it started in the mid '80s. You know, pro stock was a was still a dream that a kid like me had, and you dream to be. Bob Glidden. I mean, he was that dominant, that important to the sport, and just an all-around icon in uh, professional drag racing. So, definitely condolences to the the family and friends of Bob Glidden. And as the racing world mourns his passing, I think it's been a great time to see, re-see, if you will, all the the wonderful things he did in our sports. I'm seeing these videos popping up left and right. So, it uh, truly is a celebration of greatness and he rest in peace yeah couldn't say it better myself as a as a kid that grew up on uh, the decade of thrills 1980s it was uh, it was good to see some of that vintage footage coming back again no doubt jed this week's show we previewed it a little bit last week we have a little bit of fun here as we uh, tend to do we can say that we do this every year now because we've done this once before (laughs) this is our uh, our 2017 in review I look back at that the best of the year that was 2017 as it pertains to sports and drag racing. We issued a poll to you listeners. We got incredible feedback. I yeah. uh, hadn't pulled this up, but several hundred responses to our poll. And asked five simple questions. We're going to kind of go through those one by one today. But um, as for most outstanding individual performance at an event, favorite event of the season, best story of the season, biggest controversy of 2017, and the ultimate, the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, a driver of the year, which is what we'll kind of close the show with. But we'll roll through these. Jed and I will give, explain, I guess, where our personal votes went, just for the sake of conversation, if nothing else. And then uh, obviously we will go through with the overall public vote, kind of honor I don't know if those uh, are recipients of awards or not really awards, but uh, definitely some bragging rights for all of the the top topics that we'll uh, be discussing today. Yeah, we don't have any prizes for these uh, individual racers or, or events that we talk about, but certainly bragging rights for them and uh, pretty cool. You know, again, we we are the number one sportsman drag racing podcast in the world, and uh, it should mean a lot to get uh, recognized by this show. So. Congratulations to the people we're about to talk about. And Luke, we'll start it out with best individual performance at an event. Now, we got uh, a lot of people that, that sent in their um, ride-ins, and, and they certainly voted on the ones that we put out there. And I think some people kind of got this a little confused with the year-long performances or driver of the year type stuff. But this was at a particular event, and... Go ahead. You've got to say something there, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, no, we probably should have specified that a little bit better. But I think just by the uh, the nominees that we had, that was fairly obvious. And I know that, Jed, this is obviously extremely subjective. And I think that just about anyone's going to vote for obviously what impressed them the most. But I think what typically impacts us is something that we see in person. And for mm-hmm. me, it was no different. I don't think that my vote got a a ton of the percentage of the votes i can look at it now but watching it in person and it's difficult like 
on the the list of nominees, we had what the five different individuals that doubled up at NHRA national events. Like, how do you separate mm. one of those from the next? You know, I mean, it's basically yep. five guys that had the same accomplishment. And similar on the the bottom bulb achievements of we've talked about them at length on the podcast. Rick Bear, Chris Moran, and to an extent Justin Lamb. In that they all Justin didn't win; he was runner up at the Sprinkling Million. But they all the Chris and, and Rick both won respective events top bulb events from the bottom bulb side of the ladder and again it's extremely subjective but i just can't get out of my head what i watched justin lamb do in las vegas in april and to me like it's one of the most impressive performances i've witnessed period and for me is the one that stands out in 2017 and i know it didn't even result in an event win but the show that justin lamb put on at the spring fling million going to the final off the bottom rolling through that no box 32 and i just remember i know i talked about this on the podcast like our day was done early that day jed my mine and my wife's day yeah. and we left the racetrack just to get out of there like it's one of those you just gotta throw that day away and i was we we're getting in the rental car to go eat and um kb kevin brandon stopped by the and to say something to me and he was driving justin's dragsters at those events and it was like fourth or fifth round and he said man justin's killing his worst light's been seven we went to eat and come back and his worst light in the time that we were gone was like six I mean, just the whole day was unbelievable. Like I say, obviously a, a creature of the moment, a, a prisoner of the moment and creature of habit and haven't been there and watched it. But that's the one that to me just stood out as the most impressive performance of the season. Yeah, I witnessed that myself and it was extremely impressive. And even knowing that Justin's capable of being as good as there is on the bottom, that's still rings out as one of the best bottom bulb performances I've ever seen. And I also witnessed what our listeners chose as the number one performance. And that was very impressive to me. Obviously, very good friend of ours and uh, somebody that I, I watch closely. But Brad Plourd at the Drag Race Results Series event in Huntsville uh, with his performance won the most votes from our listeners, got uh, – 24.4% of the vote, which shows a lot of people going different ways with the vote. But watching Brad's performance, I don't know, just that does it for me, even though both of those performances are very impressive. And by the way, Chris Marin's bottom bulb win, actually winning on the bottom bulb at a top bulb event in the 10K was second place. I didn't get to see that. But watching Brad's and Justin's, the difference to me is knowing what I know about Brad. Like, I get to look at his tickets and those things, and I see the driving he does. I mean, this guy is a pure driver in every sense of the word. He is not afraid to change his game up throughout the event or throughout the race, hold some when he thinks he's more comfortable with it, can get honest if he needs to. He just, Brad seems to have all the tools to me, and I watched it all play out at that that weekend at the Drag Race Results event. So for me, that got performance in the best individual performance of the year. Again, the listeners voted it number one. But as I look down the list at all the nominees, uh, they're all extremely impressive and talented racers. It could have went anyway. So uh, congratulations to Brad for coming out on top of that one. Yeah, without question. Like I say, that's a fairly close one. Twenty-four uh, percent of the vote besting Chris Moran's nineteen percent, and a ton of other, as you've mentioned, very worthy performances receiving votes along the way. 
Favorite event of 2017, Big Jed? This one. Well, just, uh, well, hold on just a second. Just real quick, I do want to mention that that your win at the Spring Playing Million was uh, was third place. I think that's noteworthy, and I uh, got to witness that one way too close. Got, <laughs> got, got to see a lot more of that one than I wanted to, but uh, I thought that was pretty cool. So congratulations to you for at least being top three. Now you can move on. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, actually looking at this, my Chicago double up, I think it's pretty cool to be nominated in two categories, but you could take all the votes that I got for winning the million and for doubling up at Chicago, arguably like the two most impressive events of my life. And I didn't get as many votes as Brad. So kudos, Brad. (laughs) (laughs) So now we'll move on to the topic that you were just about to discuss. Yeah, favorite event of 2017, Big Jed. Obviously, let's preface this by saying this is probably, and this isn't completely our fault. We did run this by our Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Advisory Committee and be Mm -hmm. like, hey, what are we forgetting? And they didn't bring this to our attention either. But we left (laughs) some very deserving events off of the nominee list. We had a lot of write-in votes for some of the loose rocker racers that were obviously very well attended. Had a lot of write-in votes for the All-State Challenge. How did we leave the All-State Challenge off of this? We talked about that. It was our baby. Like We talked about that for nine months. Our baby. And and I mean, that was like, that was my biggest moment of the year. I mean, (laughs) as a team captain. And I don't know how I don't think about that, but. Oh, well. sometimes you just mess up. Yeah, but if we're <laughs> if we're going to go through and, and give our own share our own votes here, obviously mine is a little bit biased, but I would have a hard time going anywhere but the Spring Fling Million in Las Vegas and not just because it was such a great event for me personally. Like I, that is one that I circle on the calendar every year. Now, obviously this was only the second annual event, but just because it's such a destination event at a destination facility in a destination city, like it's just a lot of fun. Obviously every event on here, the the promoters do a great job and it's a great structured event. Pete and Kyle are awesome. The facility at vegas is incredible and i love it in that not only is it one of the nicest tracks that you go to and everybody parks on pavement but there is also like an element of challenge in racing there just because it's mm-hmm. in the desert it's the winds are swirling the dust is blowing around like it's not just a track where you typically go and print tickets you know what i mean it, it, oh yeah it, it can be like that but there's typically a little bit more strategy a little bit more driving involved like i just i enjoy everything about that event and that racetrack so for me it would be difficult to to go anywhere else with my vote yeah spring fling million definitely luke is a is a wonderful event it's so professional i'm fortunate to be behind the scenes at that event and watch what kyle and pete and uh, all the staff get together and make decisions and again those guys just so professional it's hard to pick against the spring playing million but i went with the the event that got uh the second most votes got uh 20 20 percent 20.1 percent of the of the votes and um I'm I'm just blown away by that. So thank you to the voters. But the WFC got uh, got second most votes, and um, for me, you know, that's a that's an event I poured my heart and soul into with my partner Steve Stites for uh, going on 12 years now, and uh, you know, to for it to still be successful for the footbrake racers and and be a the type of event that they want to be a part of is pretty special to me. So 
this year was just extra special and just seemed to go perfect. And um, it was my favorite event by far. But the winning event was one that you and I both read as well. And it was uh, it was quite a show. Yeah, uh, by a, I guess a fairly significant margin that the listeners voted the the granddaddy of them all. I guess it's predictable uh, that uh, the Mickey Thompson Million would be voted the favorite event of 2017. The history behind that race, what they do, and how big of a production it is, like it is again predictable and warranted that the Mickey Thompson Million take the top honor here. Almost 27 percent of the vote, like you said, your uh, World Footbreak Challenge, a very deserving second at uh, just under. 21%, excuse me, and uh, and my vote, the Spring Fling Million coming in, a fairly distant third at, at 15%. But um... the, the Mickey Thompson Million, Luke, I don't know how many of the voters actually got to participate, but when we think All of as them. a... Everybody, every <laughs> racer in the world was there. <laughs> and they had right. like 8,000 cars, right? Well, you know, that's, that's my point. When you think of <laughs> your perfect event, when, when you and I think of the perfect event that we want to go be a part of, it obviously has a large purse well attended and it's got a lot of great things within the race that make it great but it's not 650 some odd cars going down the racetrack that's not what you want to go to for a perfect event but it just goes to show how awesome the event is it can overcome some of the misery that you have with the weight between rounds and still come out on top because it's so special, it means so much to to the folks that do what we do. And for the event to be attended like it was, was incredibly well run. So congratulations to, to Jenny and Randy and the Folk family for getting the top honors there with the Mickey Thompson Million. No, and there's just something about that event. I know I've said it for years, and I'm sure I've said it on the podcast before, but that feeling when you wake up Saturday morning, in late October in Montgomery, like there's just an electricity in the air that you know something special is about to happen that day. And in my experience in sportsman racing, like the only thing that that compares to it is Monday at Indy, and it's different at Indy, but it, it's it's similar in that way that there's just an electricity in the air that is difficult to describe. But the million definitely has that. Yes, it does. So, again, congrats to the Mickey Thompson Million for receiving top honors. Now, Luke, we'll move on to the best story of 2017 in terms of what the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast covered anyway. And there were a a lot of, again, worthy nominees in that category. But for me, we'll talk about the winning uh, story in just a little bit. For me, it was Clay Milliken. And I kind of feel bad for picking Clay Milliken over what this show is about, which is the Sportsman Drag Racer. But even though it's not a story, it was just unbelievable. I mean, winning on Father's Day his first NHRA national event with the, you know, the tragedy in his family's life and all that surrounded, then him reaching out to you wanting to talk about it on the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast was really cool. I don't know if that just put me over the top or what, but but Clay Milliken's story for me was the best. Yeah, no, it's hard to argue against it. It is a story straight out of Hollywood. And as we know, and, and our listeners know, because not only did we run that episode like that was our uh whatever our anniversary episode that was the interview that we featured because clay is so awesome and so genuine and so heartfelt and and it's such an incredible story like but when you look at the nominees here like 
I could make, I wish I had whatever we had six, I wish I had six votes. Like I would vote for all of these. They're all awesome. We, we had, we had Brady Holtz win in Utah on the anniversary of his son's accident, which maybe not, doesn't resonate nationally the way that Clay's story does. But man, that's an awesome story. Dan Fletcher's 100th national event win and getting to catch up with him about it. That actually got my vote just because when you look at it in a vacuum, like, and I said this when we interviewed Dan, I feel like all I've done for my adult life is drive race cars. Now, granted, I didn't yeah. exclusively NHRA race all of that time. I did a lot of years where I just bracket raced, but I'm pretty confident in saying that I have not attended 100 national events in my life. And again, it's I'm 36 years old. I feel like I've been doing this for all my life. I haven't been to 100. Dan Fletcher has won yeah. 100 NHRA national events. It's unreal. And he's just another guy a lot like Clay in this regard that I guess the type of racing that Dan does and true blue sportsman racing, like most of us set him up on a pedestal and think what he does isn't necessarily what we do, but he is the epitome yeah. of what we do. And to see him accomplish that, like I, I just, for me, that's the story that stands out, at least on the racetrack. The other nominees, Austin Williams championship, which we got to talk to him about more. So the fact that it was coming on the heels of such a, a devastating way to not win the championship the year prior, getting passed on basically the last day of the season uh, after leading it all year long. We had another nominee was Johnny Zell's not only million dollar race win, but the fact that it was what three weeks on the heels of a $50,000 win in Huntsville. Yeah. There's a short list of people that have ever won a 50 and a million, much less in the same month. And he did that. And that's an awesome story. And, and Ezel's story as a whole is pretty cool. Like that we've talked about on the podcast before, just that he's basically a self-made or family made success and how much of his racing operation is by his own two hands. I mean, from the fabrication to the paint, to the assembly, like he does it all and goes out there and wins. And I think that's a really cool story. And obviously you can't overlook Justin Lamb's double world championship. That's only the third time in the history of NHRA racing that anyone's won two world championships in one season. So that's an awesome story in and of itself. Sure. As you mentioned, like the listener vote speaks for itself. This was a runaway. This was Clay Milliken and it's not close. No, he was uh, 42.5% of the votes. You know, that's, uh, again, comparison to our previous uh, topics that we discussed. That's a runaway. You know, an Ezel finished second with, uh, with uh, I guess, uh, right at a tie for third between Fletcher's 100th. And actually, actually, that was the third place, wasn't it? Fletcher's 100th victory in NHRA competition was the third. But as you said, Clay Milliken ran away with it and... I can't argue against any of them. They're all very incredible stories, but Clay just seemed to be over the top for me. And obviously the voters chose that as well with a huge percentage, almost half of the vote. Yeah. And if by some stretch of the imagination, you're listening to this and don't know that story, go back and listen to Clay's interview. It was on our anniversary episode. It was also back in the summertime, episode 30 something. It is, it's, it's worth your time. It's a, it's a long interview, but to hear Clay tell that story and, and you can tell obviously how, how deeply it affected him and his family. And, and it's just, it's, it's absolutely worth your time. Yes, it is. So Luke, I guess some of the, our, our more, popular or or downloaded or listened to shows have been the shows that had some controversy 
uh, surrounding them. And our next category is biggest controversy. We didn't seem to have a lot of options for people to choose from, but there was certainly uh, certainly enough that people got an opportunity to pick between some very controversial topics. We had Emmons' excessive braking disqualification very early in the year. Uh, the safety topic at the million where uh, you and I were wrongfully accused by, well, no, we won't get into all that, but gifted rounds, uh, no tech on the million, and winner and runner-up in Montgomery, which that actually happened. It just kind of got goofy and happened in reverse order of the way it should have happened. But I think what was left out was Todd Berry's delay box uh, issue when he wrecked his truck and got accused of having a delay box in the vehicle and using it, which didn't happen. But Yeah, we skipped um, over that or kind of forgot about it. But at the time, that was very hotly debated. That did get a lot of attention. Yeah, it did. But overwhelmingly, our listeners chose, with 52.5% of the vote, chose... Um, the uh, MNs DQ for excessive braking in, where was that, in Phoenix? That was in Phoenix, yeah. In Phoenix, yeah. That was uh, early early in the year. But for me, that was it. That seemed to to get a lot of attention. Um, it got a lot of attention on the show, on social media. And I know um, thousands and thousands and thousands of people had opinions about it. But um, it was very controversial, and it was uh, our top vote getter. Yeah, and, and uh, I think you were the same way, Jed. Like, that got my vote, and I don't really think anything came close, just because it was so, seemingly, at least from the outside, so clear out of the blue sky. Like, it was completely unprecedented for a disqualification of that nature at a NHRA national or divisional event, at least when there was no contact with the guardrail or uh, opposing car or center line. Like, it had just never been done, and it came out of the blue and i think when you look back now that idea that it's so out of the blue and unprecedented is just hammered home because it's not happened since and like i haven't even heard of a warning since like it just came out of the blue complete selective prosecution put the hammer down on jerry emmons and obviously there's way more sides of the story to that but it just seems uh, again the, the i think the best word that i can use is selective persecution and, and I know, like, I, because he's text back and forth with me, and I, and I remember talking to him about this directly shortly after it happened, Jerry Emmons is a listener to the show, and I know that he would just assume we all forget about this, that it never happened. And I hate to drudge it back up, but it just seems like such, it's to this, to right now, to me, it seems like such an odd story that I can't believe yeah. NHRA, like, dipped their toes into. And if you were going to... I hate to get on a soapbox here, but like if you're going to make that decision, it has to be followed up with some type of clarification in the rule book. And to this point, it hasn't been. So it, again, it's just a complete, outstanding, one-off, odd ruling that I still think is controversial today. And it's ten months later. So it is, and I, <laughs> I think uh, we learned way back there in February or March, whenever that was, that there was a. A little bit of a backstory to it, and um, there there couldn't have been, could have been some personal feelings involved. I don't want to accuse anybody of having a, a personal agenda, but I think there might have been some of that involved too, and maybe the reason we haven't seen it again. I'm sure NHRA didn't get the positive attention that they would want out of a decision like that for the one they made. So hopefully those situations are behind us, and I'm all for. Somebody getting tossed for the right reasons. Don't get me wrong, but um, 
that one just didn't seem to to deserve the punishment. But well, if and there was a lot of people jumping up and down, going, "Yeah, make an example of make an example of somebody." Okay, but like, if you're gonna make an example of somebody, let's follow through on it. Like, there hasn't been a word yeah. breathed to that in the ten months since. So what what happened? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people put their brakes on that hard the rest of the year. I can assure you, uh, that question. was that was not a dangerous stop, but. Nonetheless, we'll move on to the to the next category. And Luke, this one this one just is it for us. This is our last category for best of, and it's the 2017 Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Driver of the Year, and had some great nominees. But I think the person that, that got the most votes here is uh, is very well deserving. Yeah, he got my vote. <laughs> this, uh, like you said, this is this is the granddaddy of them all. Like this is, uh, if there is an award here to be had, this is the one to hang your hat on. Uh, this would, uh, I think, would mean a lot to to any of us. And to your point, like I don't know that you can look back on any season and say it's just cut and dry, obvious, and say anyone else is silly for having a different opinion because every nominee that was on the ballot is deserving. Like had unbelievable seasons but to me and i know to you and obviously to our listeners there's one that just stood out and to me we actually discussed this last week when we had nick hastings on the show to me i think the two real standout performances of the season came from brad plord and nick hastings and if we're gonna talk about who was the driver of the year from the middle of august to now who I'd have to go with Brad Plord. But admittedly, I think when you talk to Brad, he'll tell you that his season up until the 1st of August was average at best. And if we're going to give this award for the the best of 2017 from start to finish, Nick Hastings started the year with what was that, a $5,000 win in Bell Rose, Louisiana? Yep. And finished the year with a $20,000 win in Piedmont, North Carolina? And seemingly won every other weekend between the two and top ball, bottom ball, whatever in equipment that obviously is good equipment, but is not like the cookie cutter, what we expect you to go win big dollar bracket races in. And when you put all of that together, like for me, the vote couldn't go any other way. Yeah, I agree. I have Nick winning in, in my vote. In a small margin over Brad Plourd, again, I, very close to Brad. I get to see the, the things he does in the race car and get to see how he manufactures wins out of losses. And it's very impressive, to say the least. But for me, it's Nick Hastings in 2017. Uh, just like you said, he started, he, you know, he lives in north central Ohio. He started the year with a, with a $5,000 win in Belrose, Louisiana. Won races in North Carolina, competed and won a lot of rounds in Las Vegas, uh, wins in Bristol, wins in Ohio, goes and wins and or runners up the largest race payout of the year in South Carolina or his largest payout of the year, excuse me, in South Carolina. Just the guy went everywhere. Tons and tons of miles on the tow vehicle that wears and tears on you physically as well. And just for the amount of traveling that he did and everywhere he showed up and was, if not winning, was very competitive for me. Nick just 
from start of the year to finish was the driver of the year and uh, a very deserving winner he is. And um, that ties us into our Seabrook Performance Who's Hot, and is, which now will be the Seabrook Performance Driver of the Year. And we'll talk a little bit about Nick again there. But Yeah, let's make it official. <laughs> he is the uh, Seabrook Performance 2017 Driver of the Year. Excuse me, Luke. I want to talk a little bit about Seabrook Performance, the, the sponsor of our Who's Hot and our Driver of the Year. Guys, Seabrook Performance is now offering engine and carburetor packages. This week's featured package is the Pro Series Bracket 400. It's a 675 horsepower small block Chevrolet built with reliability and longevity in mind. It comes with a dart block. It's got AFR heads, a vacuum pump, a distributor, and optional Seabrook Performance carburetor available as a package. If you're interested in something like that, and why wouldn't you be, contact Luke Siebert at 785-286-6813 or check out SiebertPerformance.com. And our Siebert Performance Driver of the Year, Luke, is none other than the aforementioned Nick Hastings. Yeah, I thought we might have been a little bit premature last week having Nick on the show because I thought that this was a predictable outcome, that he would eventually be ground the, the 2017 Driver of the Year. In all honesty, we probably didn't have time to get his interview on this show. But guys, if you missed what would that have been, episode 56, download that and, uh, and get a little bit of direct insight on some of the things that made up Nasty Nick's big season in addition to being... I think without question that the most successful driver in the sportsman ranks in 2017, he's got a great story and, uh, and he's a fun guy to, uh, to listen to talk as this shook down. And this was pretty much a runaway. Nick ended up with 52% of the vote. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty impressive there. Um, Brad Plord was second. And like I say, I think for both of us, those two kind of stood out above the rest. And then like third through what sixth or seventh was really tightly contested. John LaBoost Jr. actually got the third place nod by a vote or two with Justin Lamb, Troy Williams Jr., Johnny Ezel all tightly packed there together. Yeah, so as you mentioned, fifty two point two percent of the vote went to to Nick Hastings and a very deserving uh, Sabre Performance 2017 Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Driver of the Year. And uh, like you said, we had him on a week ago. Guy's just a, a, a humble champion, a top-notch racer. And if you know him off the track, you know he's a family-oriented guy that loves every member of his family. And they support him in his dream of going out and being a professional bracket racer. But in his interview, uh, Nick talked a lot about the people that he wanted to thank for helping him here and there. And uh, when the interview was over and you and I wrapped up the podcast, it, it probably wasn't, but about 20 minutes after the podcast was done, the phone rings this Nick. And I figured Nick's going to call and say, hey, uh, Warren, did I do okay or whatever? But he wasn't worried about Nick. Uh, he called to let me know. Man, I forgot two really, really important people that helped me this year, like fix my tow truck or if the trailer had an issue. He said, and I don't I forget about those things playing a major part in my successful 2017. But he talked about Lucas Walker and, and the things Lucas did for him. You know, tow truck broke down. Lucas jumped in there and gets it fixed. And I know Lucas worked on his race cars, too. And Phil Combs, a couple of his really good friends that 
just were very helpful in ways other than things that help him get on the racetrack with his race car, actually getting to and from the racetrack, which is just as important. And uh, Nick was pretty distraught about not getting to uh, thank those guys. So guys, if you're listening, shout out to you from Nick Hastings and congratulations to Nick for, for being a Sabre Performance Driver of the Year. No doubt. Congrats, Nasty Nick. Well-deserved. Big Jed, let's pay some bills, buddy. This is Bracket Racing is proud to announce a free email training sequence that we're calling This is Bracket Racing's 10 Days of Christmas. It's the most intense and detailed package we've ever given away with 10 individual training sessions dedicated to all aspects of on-track success, one for each level of the This is Bracket Racing Elite Pyramid. We've put a lot of work into assembling our 10 Days of Christmas, so I hope that you enjoy it. You can find the link to this free 10 Days of Christmas email sequence just about anywhere. It's on thisisbracketracing.com. You can also find it on the This is Bracket Racing Facebook page, as well as my personal Twitter page, a thread on the Bracket Talk discussion board on dragracesresults.com, and more. As always, learn more about what we have to offer and the exclusive This Is Bracket Racing Elite membership community on thisisbracketracing.com. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. To make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And, and, And you can do that on... Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing uh, our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest uh, edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. All right, guys. If it's time to upgrade your support equipment, you know, be it trailer or RV, check out RacingRVs.com or give Joe a call at 419-236-1328. Why Racing RVs? Well, for one, they support sportsman drag racing like no other. Racing RVs is the presenting sponsor of the NHRA Top Dragster and Top Sportsman categories. They're heavily involved in all of the SFG events. Uh, They sponsor a number of successful sportsman racers, and they presented nearly every episode of this podcast. But what can Racing RVs do for you? Quality coaches and trailers at fair prices. That's new or used. Trade-ins, financing, consignment. They do nationwide delivery. No matter your need, Racing RVs should be your first phone call. Honey, where are we racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's What's on Tap! Currently, the AHRA has issued a $10,000 bounty for anyone that is an AHRA member and wins Super Gas at the 2018 Winter Nationals at Pomona without the aid of electronics. To find out more about the bounty or other exciting happenings with the AHRA, such as their stock sale or their new GT classes, check out www.ahraonline.com or look for them on Facebook. Yeah, typically, Jed, mid-December would be kind of a quiet time for the What's on Tap Mm -hmm. segment. But we are talking about the 2018 season. 
that for big dollar bracket races is the year that just keeps on giving. So a couple of quick things to touch on in what would normally be downtime. Firecracker Bracket Nationals are announced since the last time that we recorded the podcast. This is coming to Byron, Illinois, and the Firecracker Bracket Nationals is a long-standing event. This is actually the 19th annual Firecracker Bracket Nationals, but it has never been quite like this. This is a format that looks a lot like the SFG format. I guess it's a little bit more condensed in that the two big days are, are, are just two days. But this is July 6th, 7th, and 8th at Legendary Byron Dragway up in Byron, Illinois. $30,000 to win Friday, $100,000 to win on Saturday. I almost misspoke there, like ten grand. Like I remember when a ten grander was a deal. And yeah, pay that to runner-up. <laughs> $50,000 to win on Sunday. Limited deal, 400 entries. I believe this sold out within a day or two, much like every event of this format seems to be. This is uh, another one in a long list of great-looking races coming in 2018. Again, it's July 6th through 8th up in Byron, Illinois. And uh, one other quick note that we had for the What's on Tap segment was just a quick update from the Dream Team Challenge. That is the race that our friends Britt Cummings and Galen Rollison are bringing to Memphis on Memorial Day weekend. The Dream Team is almost full, so make sure to make your way over to the Great American Bracket Racing page on Facebook and grab your spot if you haven't already. I think there's one class, there are maybe a spot or two available. The other class, there are spots on the alternate list. So if you are entertaining, fielding a team for this unique Dream Team event, be sure to get on there now. And it, just as a reminder, in addition to the, the Dream Team, which is kind of the, the main event, so to speak, of that race, there will also be 10-20-10 off the top as well as 5-10-5 off the bottom for foot break. So this looks like I heard a little birdie told me that they are considering having eight junior dragster teams as well. So um, check out the Facebook page and, uh, and voice your interest there. Big Jed, we usually use this segment also to um, discuss upcoming plans for the show. As we mentioned last week, we're going to take one week off for the holidays. So no Sportsman Drag Racing podcast Thank you, Luke. next week. <laughs> Do you appreciate that? It's it's only it's only been <laughs> yes our first weeks. week off yeah it's only been fifty seven weeks straight that's right so <laughs> we're gonna take a break for the holidays you know my wife had a good point on this you know how like uh, sitcoms on TV like they they take a break and for yeah. you know a couple of months like mid season kind of build up the suspense mm -hmm. so um, I don't really know what we're building the suspense toward <laughs> but maybe. After a week off, our listeners will realize how much they miss us, how much the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast absolutely has to be a part of their lives every Wednesday at noon. And we'll see you guys back here in, uh, in 2018. Yeah, and we're scared if we give you more than a week off, you're going to go find something else to listen to and just forget about us altogether. So a week's our maximum off time. Yeah, good point. The week's got me scared to death. <laughs> guys, when you tune back in a year from now, like I say, we kind of changed things up when we started our quote-unquote season two. But we do have big plans for 2018. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I plan to bring you guys a, a product that is both educational and entertaining and uh, opinionative. Uh, we've got some we've got some ideas in the till. I don't want to give anything away too much, but uh, I have a feeling we're going to get everybody talking again in January. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's it's good to change things up a little bit. Uh, I think the show has served its purpose for our first season and season two. It's time to to mix it up a little, Luke, as you said, and change the format somewhat while still giving you all of the information you long for in sportsman drag racing and, and a little bit extra. So it's going to be a really good time. Money beats, I'm allowed, and if you want 
We're going to close the show with a little final thought. The topic that I want to talk about today is one that debated to some extent without really getting into it. And, and we've kind of teased the idea that we would get into it, and we may in the future. But what I wanted to, to shed a little bit of light on, and, and because my thoughts have been changing a little bit or at least being reconsidered a little bit on, on this topic, and that is the sustainability of this current big dollar bracket model. And like we mentioned earlier, 2018 is nuts when it comes to big dollar bracket racing. 2018, you are officially drunk on, on big dollar bracket racing. Like it's, it's everywhere. Yes. I saw a tweet the other day that as of right now, and there might have even, they might not even be up to date right now, but whenever this was tweeted, it was one of the, the Ledford, I want to say boys, they're not boys anymore, but he tweeted something to the effect of there are 52 weekends in the calendar year. And as of right now, there are 54 events on the DragRaceResults.com big bucks bracket page. And oh. it's December. There are more to come. Jed, I know if our listeners have read between the lines at all over the course of the last, I don't know, couple of months since these races started being announced and started pouring in, they've probably gathered that we are weary of this. Like, we feel like there could be an oversaturation. But again, the more that I think about this, and I'm not to, not to say that it doesn't cause problems of its own, the more that I think about this, the more I think... This is sustainable, and maybe not for the long term, but at least for the immediate future, and I'll try my best to explain why. The feeder system, so to speak, that you and I grew up on, that most of our listeners grew up on, that some of our listeners are still a big part of, is the weekly bracket program. And I think you and me and people of our generation in general tend to romanticize that concept because it is what we grew up on and it is how by and large we fell in love with this sport like i grew up every saturday night for as long as i could remember at texas raceway in kennedale texas and that's where i fell in love with drag racing and, and i know you're much the same way and i think many of our listeners are the same way sure we could make an argument and it's it's, it's probably a, a different topic for another episode as to whether or not that format is even sustainable in the future. Like I'm beginning to question that it's not for a number of different reasons, but whether it is or it isn't, again, that's probably a different subject for a different time. You could argue that this proliferation of big dollar events is killing what's left of that feeder system. But you could also argue that all of these big dollar races are simply capitalizing on a quote-unquote feeder system that is either dying or in many parts of the country, dead. And that, by and large, is the reason that I think there's a chance that all of these races survive and are successful, at least for the foreseeable future. Eventually, if something doesn't change, this will all catch up with us. Because without a quote-unquote feeder system, where is the future of the sport coming from? But right now, today, in 2018, 2019, maybe 2020, assuming that the economy stays as strong as it is right now, what we've got is a lot of people just like us, Jed, that, that came up through that feeder system, through the ranks, so to speak. And nowadays, there either aren't 
local bracket races to support? Or what is there isn't as romanticized as it used to be. And that's for a lot of reasons. Like the by and large being that whether it's good or bad, and I think it's largely bad, the cost of our sport has gotten away from us. And that's all self-inflicted. Like that's all our fault. Mm -hmm. But we've got to the point that I don't want to say the average top ET or super pro racer, but a large percentage of top ET and super pro racers have like, I don't know, between 50 and a hundred thousand dollars tied up in their racing program. And on some cases, like that's the low level. And it's hard to justify having that type of investment to go race for $800 or a thousand dollars or $1,200 to win every Saturday night. Now, so it's a viable option that like these purses are now starting to reflect the investment that so many of our racers have in these cars. And I think by and large, what we're seeing is more and more racers willing to give up being at the racetrack every Saturday night in favor of selecting two events a month that they want to go to or one big event a month that they want to support. And as regionalized now as all of these big money races have gotten, because it wasn't long ago that if you wanted to support big dollar bracket racing, like you had a core group of, I don't know, 80 to 100 racers that were at every one of them that just followed the circuit. Nowadays, it doesn't have to be like that because there are so many races that it can be more regionalized. Like there's still a core group, I think it's smaller than it used to be, that will go to just about every one of these big events. But by and large, what's filling these four and 500 car fields are the local racers that either don't have anywhere else to go or feel better about supporting a one big race like this than four consecutive weekly programs. So you've got all of the racers that were at one time what we would consider like a product of that feeder system. And then you've got like particularly where SFG has targeted their big races is in the Michigan and Ohio area and in the Carolinas. Those were the IHRA hotbeds. And you've got a segment of IHRA sportsman racers that don't really have anywhere to go. Obviously, if you're an index or a stock super stock racer, like the natural progression would be to go run an HRA racing. But there's a lot of those guys that are, are just kind of, for lack of a better word, over the NHRA thing. Or, or And if you've never run NHRA races, like it's difficult to get into. Like you have to get grade points at divisionals before you can even attend national events. Like going big dollar bracket racing is a little bit more viable option, I think, for a lot of them. And so you've got that segment that can support these events. And every year there is a, a percentage of the NHRA crowd that for whatever reason, uh, and the reasons, I don't want to say plentiful, but they're there. For whatever reason, like there's a percentage of, of the NHRA crowd that gets disenchanted with NHRA racing and they need somewhere to go. So right now, there is, I think that there are enough sportsman racers out there to support a lot of these races, like you keep, it's natural to look at this and say, goodness, there's already 50 plus events on the schedule. Some of these races have to fail and, yeah. they, and they may. I'm just, the more that I look at it from a little bit bigger perspective, like I'm not sure that this can't all work. I, and again, I don't think it can work in the long term, but it wouldn't surprise me if 2019 was just like 2018 and these events just keep popping up because until there's significant failures 
why wouldn't they? And I'm just not sure that there's not enough of us right here, right now to support this and make it work. Yeah, very well said, Luke. Um, you, you definitely have your ear to the ground on these things, and you usually know what's happening uh, within the, the bracket racing landscape. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if you're right on and these races uh, survive. It It is a bit scary because I promote them too, and what used to be a big race is now kind of average. And so it's a little scary in what it's taking to surprise people or shock the market or whatever people are trying to do with some of these purses but well it seems to be it's difficult today just to get attention yeah it really is <laughs> you know? no matter what your purse you right. know i agree but we'll see how it shakes out it definitely be something uh, that we'll get to talk about a lot here on the podcast so that's your final thought my final thought for this week's podcast uh, has nothing to do with racing just want to say uh, happy birthday to uh, my, my best friend in the world. My little man, JJ, will be 12 uh, for those listening to the show. We're recording this Monday night because Tuesday is JJ's 12th birthday. And uh, we're going to go out and get him some cheese fries and some no rules pasta at Outback and get him all the meal he wants and uh, let him open a few presents. Have a great birthday. So Luke and Mark accommodated me and, and let's do the show let me do the show on monday night instead so happy birthday jj i love you bud i know you'll be listening and i uh, hope it's uh hope yesterday was a great day jed you just let me ramble on for like eight minutes about something that i made sound important and then <laughs> in 30 seconds so <laughs> happy birthday jj yeah he'll appreciate that luke so guys that's uh that's gonna wrap up this episode of the sportsman drag racing podcast want to say thanks to our sponsors uh, Seabird Performance, Racing RVs, This is Bracket Racing Elite, and the AHRA. We appreciate those guys helping bring the podcast to you this week. Definitely want you to tell us what you think. Message us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page, or you can uh, check us out on Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I, and I am at JP11X. If you got show ideas or you just want to make a comment about a show you've listened to, uh, you can, um, again, message us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast or send something direct to Mark Romeo, our assistant. We appreciate Mark, and uh, he's going to be playing a bigger role in the show coming up and really looking forward to that. He's done a wonderful job and just looking forward to the new format to, to bring to you as you listen to the podcast after this one. Yeah, as Mark gets more involved, you will not only have a better show you will have happier hosts so this will be a win for everyone <laughs> no doubt about it uh, happy holidays right, everybody. Guys. enjoy uh enjoy your holidays enjoy your time with your friends and family and uh we will see you back in 2018 merry christmas guys banging on the door bump 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 until i get it in attitude like i am already winning it foot breaking in anything bottom bobbing for a 10 i'm rolling in the cutty switching Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests 
racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100-plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.